changes everything. Um, and um, it, it makes fear bow. It, it takes chains and it breaks them, right? Um, in, in wonder and, and surrender to the Lord, we, we bow down because Jesus uh, truly does change, change everything. Um, the, the last week, we, uh, I, uh, I preached on prayer and just talked to you a little bit about what God was doing in my own heart in regards to prayer and what I, what I felt like He was doing in the church here in regards to prayer. Um, and, uh, and, and, and didn't feel like, don't feel like He is done with us in that. And so uh, we're going to continue in, we're going to continue with prayer for the next um, foreseeable, for the foreseeable future. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll go to that until we're done doing that or Jesus comes back or one of the, I don't know, something happens. Something will happen. I guarantee you that. Um, something will happen. One, because... I don't know, something will happen. But two, when you pray, things happen, right? Things happen when you pray. Um, and um, I'm going to press into that a little bit. You know, I uh, have said this many times before. I've probably said this to you. I know that I talked to my small group about it this past week, about how um, virtually no, especially Christian, virtually no believer or Christian that I know thinks that prayer is unimportant. Pretty much every, every person that I know that has even a, um, even a like a small relationship with God or a distant relationship with God, even, even people who wouldn't necessarily profess um, faith in Jesus, right, um, believe that prayer is important. Right? That, there is, that there is something deeply important about a about a, a life of prayer, and certainly for you and I who follow Jesus, right? Who He is our Lord, He is our He is our Savior. He changes everything, right? We would agree. I am almost willing to bet universally agree that prayer is important. At the same time, um, I have, you know, in decades of being um, of, of following Jesus, right? I have never met someone who is a follower of Jesus, who is a Christian, who says, yeah, I'm completely satisfied and I think I pray enough. Like totally, got the prayer game on lockdown. Definitely pray enough. Definitely seeing fruit come from my time in prayer. Um, like super intimate relationship with the Lord in prayer. And so there's this dynamic or this dichotomy, I guess, of, of the Christian community upholding and believing in the absolute importance of prayer, but at the same time, um, almost universally declaring that, yeah, I don't pray enough. And so my question then really for myself, but I think it extends to the whole, because I, I reflect those same answers. Do I pray enough? No, I do not. Do I believe prayer to be ultimately important? Like, yeah, of course I do. Um, and and so the then the, the the question then becomes question for me. Then by extension, a question for everyone is: Well, what's the hang-up? If if I believe in the absolute importance of prayer, 
but I also know that I don't pray enough, then what, what actually is, what's happening there? Like, what's the, where's the, the hitch? Um, you know, um, I, uh, you know, we often run Financial Peace University classes here at the, at the church, and I followed Dave Ramsey for a long time in my own personal financial life. And he says something about um, financial health that I that I, I found to be true. Uh, and he says, you know, paraphrasing, of course, essentially this. He was like, having a healthy and secure financial life is about ten percent knowledge, how to budget, right? You know, like what to spend your money on, how not to spend your money, what to focus on here, what to focus on there, like getting the information, right? Get the knowledge base. So it's about 10% knowledge, but then financial health past that 10% is about 90% behavior. Like it's about 10% what you know, and it's about 90% what you do, right? And often, um, and often we treat, and I think, I think prayer is the same, is what I'm saying. I, I, I find that prayer is the is the the same what we often want though is is we often think that the that the problem in our prayer life or in our spiritual disciplines is that we don't have enough information right we just need more books on prayer we need more teaching on prayer we need more sermons on prayer we need more information on prayer and then once we fill our head with enough information, then we will pray more. Well, listen, folks, I would be willing to bet that the Christian church has never prayed less than we're praying now, and we have access to more information globally than we've ever had in the history of life ever. Okay? So it's certainly not an, an information problem that we have, right? And, 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 and Scripture is, is really clear is that, is that when, we, when we pursue, in our relationship with God, when we pursue knowledge for knowledge's sake, it puffs us up. It makes us, it, it is a, it's a false security of closeness with God when we have all of the information but we're not expressing our information through the love of a relationship, right? The Word says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And, and, and love, is something to be, love is something to be expressed. And so, my question to the Lord in the last week or so as I've been uh, like pushing and pulling back and forth on this like idea is that okay, Lord? Um, I know that I can give. I know that I can give the people the information. I, I know I can fill your ten percent. Okay. The question then is: is like how will we, as a community, bridge the ninety percent gap? How will we go from? having the 10%, but it not being enough. 
and needing the 90% of behavior, of action, of really discipline. We use the term spiritual disciplines to talk about things like reading your scripture, reading the scripture, praying, um, fasting, um, and there are, there are, those are like the three big ones, right? There are a number of spiritual disciplines, study, right? Fellowship, rest, or Sabbath, right? These are, these are disciplines to be developed. And if you understand them as, if we understand them as disciplines, we begin to understand why they're so difficult. Because being disciplined is difficult. Being a, being a disciplined person can be a, a uh, it's a difficult task, it's a difficult life to live. Right? Um, we were talking about this in our small group on Wednesday, and um, we, um, I think it was Eric that said that he finds that when he is disciplined in one thing, the habit of discipline seems to cascade over into other things, right? Like if you make a discipline to eat well, that discipline makes you want to also exercise. And that discipline makes you also want to get enough sleep or get up early or have a disciplined time in Scripture and prayer. It's like discipline kind of begets discipline there. And so there is a there can be a there can be a practicality behind um, increasing our the 90% of our behavior that is required in order to pray quite honestly pray more pray more effectively pray more sincerely pray more diligently so i can say with um, a fair bit of confidence that I know I'm going to get you the 10%. I'm going to get you the information. Okay? I can also tell you that, um, and, and we're going to do a, most of that information here on Sunday mornings. We may have some, like, some supplemental things that um, we'll do to get you like the prayer information. So I'll give you the info, um, the 10% info, what I, am, what I am trusting in is that we corporately will pray ourselves into being better prayers. That, that, we, that, that we, will, we will take the steps necessary here on a Sunday morning to pray ourselves into um, being more disciplined, more powerful, more effective people of prayer. And I know that seems kind of silly or kind of strange. Like, well, yeah, how do you become a better prayer? Well, have you tried praying that God would give you a passion to pray or a discipline of prayer? Um, not, meaning that, not meaning that He's going to download discipline into your heart 
and that all of the obstacles that have kept you from being a, a more prayerful person are going to be gone. It's still going to be a discipline requiring difficult and hard work, but I'm here for it. We're going to start in one of, um, one of the more um, well-known parts of Scripture that speaks on prayer. Matthew chapter 6. This is where Jesus um, is teaching on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. It doesn't say it here, but in Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer, um, Luke records that the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. It's interesting, right, that um, the disciples, having been eyewitness to the most miraculous aspects of Jesus' life and ministry, could have probably asked him to do anything. Hey, Lord, teach us to multiply the fish and the loaves. Teach us to turn the water into wine, right? Teach us to raise um, the dead back to life. <laughs> but for whatever reason, they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Indicating to me that they saw something in the life and practice of Jesus as he was praying that made it the thing that they desired to know the most. Not to do miracles, but how to pray. Uh, Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. And I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, it is important here um, that we understand something or we, we get reminded of something as we talk about this text here, is that much of the context of Jesus' ministry was in combating a spirit and attitude of religious hypocrisy. Where he would, where he would speak out against the religious establishment or, um, or the current religious leadership as, as exhibiting um, a, an extreme level of self-righteousness, an extreme level of hypocrisy. Because if, and, and if, we don't, if we don't talk here about, if we don't talk about the context that we find this in, um, we, can, we can read this literally 
and then call into question when your pastor prays in a public place, right? Um, on a live stream <laughs> where, where the possibility of, of, of you know, the world seeing it is, um, is there, okay? The, the context of the situation requires that we, that we look at it to interpret the point rather than simply just read it literally and take the what's literally happening and missing the kind of the forest for the trees so to speak um, so I want to I want to make that comment here because as we move on it's going to become important for you to understand that that it that it is okay <laughs> it is okay for us to look at scripture and say well Jesus was addressing a really specific situation in a very specific context and time, but that doesn't mean that there isn't real application for you and I some 2,000 years later. Okay? So we're going to look at both and understand both. But when Jesus starts speaking about prayer, I want us to be aware, in, in, if you were maybe one of those people that said, well, yeah, prayer is important, Prayer is important, but maybe I, I don't really feel like you have to pray or you need to pray. And, I, and that, that may be the case, right? Whatever the case or wherever you find yourself, right? Jesus is clear here that, that the life of prayer was not really... They, they, they held no space for the life of prayer being like optional. It wasn't like, a, well, if you have the gift of prayer then I want you to listen because I'm going to teach you all about the gift of prayer here. If, if you pray, Jesus says, now Jesus, Jesus didn't have, there was no if involved there, right? Jesus starts out speaking to his disciples um, about prayer or speaking to the crowd by saying, hey, when you pray, it is, it's assumed that those listening to him, or that those that those following, would be would be um, involved in prayer. He was talking, speaking about the reality of prayer in our lives, not merely the possibility of it being there. So that is like maybe baseline. Jesus anticipates or expects that his followers would be praying. You know, we often, um, we often say with, 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 with what I think is um, honest and sincere hearts and, and, and belief is that, is that there's no wrong way to pray. There's no wrong way to pray. Just, just pray. And, there, and there's no wrong way to do it. Um, I think what we see here... <laughs> is that there is definitely a wrong way to pray. And then Jesus says that there, um, there, that there is a wrong way to pray. And the wrong way to pray is to pray, he says, like a hypocrite. If you look at verse 5 here in Matthew chapter 6, it's a little bit of a long verse. And the reason it's long is because Matthew, the 
uh, who, who records what Jesus is saying here, they, you know, we suspect that he wanted to get everything into one thought. Okay, so, so Greek, Greek writing and, and Greek speech, it's not like English, okay, where it has, where sentences are necessarily divided up by punctuation and commas and periods and, and, um, and, um, capital letters, all right? It's a little bit more different. It's, it's separated in thoughts rather than sentences divided by punctuation and everything. And so when we look at it, we see verse 5, period. Verse 6, period. Verse 7, period. Well, it's not necessarily how it was recorded or even how it was spoken because in verse 5, it's almost like Jesus does like run-on sentence, run-on sentence, run-on sentence, run-on sentence, because he wants to gather the whole point into his argument here. And he says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. And listen, this is the, this is the pivot point of the whole this is the pivot point of the whole sentence here and the whole idea. It's the thing that Jesus wanted to communicate in this sentence about the wrong way to pray. Okay? He says, do not be, do not, um, they love to pray standing on the synagogues and on the street corners. All right, here's the point. To be seen by men. That's the point, right? That is what, that is the, the point that Jesus seeks to make in declaring the wrong way to pray. To be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. The emphasis here on verse 5 is on that phrase, to be seen by men, to be seen by others. What Jesus was responding to was a spiritual culture that sought, um, that sought to like elevate the righteousness of those who were in leadership by going out into the public sphere and waxing and waning spiritually and poetically so that everyone in the public realm would, would see how awesome of a prayer this person was and their admiration and their honor and their delight would go to whom? To that person, right? Oh my gosh. Can you see how, how, like, they are so close to God. They are so righteous. The way that they speak, the way that they, the way that they talk, the way that they pray, they just get it. Man, I want to be like them. I want to follow their, I want to follow their example. I want to be just like them. And what Jesus says uh, essentially is, um, listen, they're not fooling the Heavenly Father. You're, you're, not fooling, you're not fooling God. When you, when you stand up in the synagogues and when you stand on the street corners and pray to be seen by men 
you're not fooling anyone. You're not fooling God. Now, remember we said that we, we must draw out the idea without letting the context um, throw us into a literalism that says, well, anytime we pray in public, we're going against what Jesus said here in, March, in, in Matthew chapter 6. Um, and, and what, what I want to bring us around to here is that Jesus was not advocating that all prayer necessarily be in secret, right? Or that he wasn't railing against that. He was railing against those who used prayer as a way to elevate their own perceived righteousness in the eyes of other people. Okay? We're going to get more to that in a second. And what he says is, he says, those people have received their reward in full. What does he mean? Well, the person who wants to be spiritually important, right, comes out to the street corner, right, or in the synagogue and prays really eloquently and then everyone looks at them and does one of these, right? Like, oh, so righteous, so awesome, like so honoring and glorifying and right and they receive a accolades. And and what does Jesus said? Say, he's like there you go, bro. You that's what you wanted. So that's what you get. The extension to that is that Jesus essentially is telling people that when that that with an attitude like that, your prayers um, are not heard by the Father. Your prayers are not heard. Like because the reward, the reward that you would get from the Father, right? No, has been given to you by the people that you so earnestly desired their honor and respect for. That's your reward. So you don't need any reward from the Father. You got it. Basically, you you wanted human praise. You're probably now going to choke on it. So, if Jesus is saying, you know, like, do not pray like that, then what is he, what's the alternative that he's offering? The alternative that he offers is what he calls prayers in secret, or prayers like in the, um, in the closet, or behind the door. This is why we often hear the term in Christianity, someone's prayer closet, Right? There's a small little place that they go and they close the door and they're praying privately or, um, or where no one else can see, where only the Father sees and rewards. He says, but when you pray, this is the alternative, go into your room, close the door, pray, pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, the idea of praying in secret as an alternative to praying in the public sphere is a perfect example of how we must understand the context 
draw out the application, but understand the context enough to not to not to make it not necessary to um, be uh, to have a literalism about what is happening, because even by his own life, Jesus would be contradicting his teaching here if the point was don't ever pray in any place where anyone else can see you. Because we have, we have multiple examples in the Gospel where Jesus himself praying over people, right? Going with his disciples to pray. Teaching his disciples to pray. Praying to his heavenly Father in, in open witness to those who are following him, right? So, the, so we must draw out the application without having the, the necessity of clinging to a literalism that says anytime anyone prays and someone else sees, right, God's not listening or God will not reward. I'd be in big trouble, okay? I'd be in big trouble. So where then is the, like, where is the, the, um, the point here? What's the application that we can draw out, right? Here is the application that we can draw out. Um, listen, you and I, the church, we do not pray so that other people would hear us. This is, a, this is an issue in the Christian church, okay? Um, this is an issue. And um, we're going to talk about it here for a few minutes, all right? Because I think there is, in some regards, it is done with um, sincerity, okay? And, um, and, a, and a desire to be an encouragement, to be a spiritual support, to... Um, to, to love another person, especially through a time of grief or pain or, or sorrow, okay? Um, but we have to be really careful and we have to understand what we're doing and what is happening, okay? Um, sorry, crunching on the ice in the microphone. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so, when we pray, we don't pray so that others would hear us. Because think of it this way. If I pray, let's say, let's say I pray for Scott. Okay? Say I pray for Scott. And I'm praying for oh, healing. It's a completely made up scenario, all right? And I pray for healing. But if Scott needs prayer for healing, we'll pray for him, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and we will pray for him, okay? So I pray, I, uh, Scott comes up and we lay our hands on him and we pray for him. The book of James says that 
when you are sick or you're hurting, come to the elders of the church. They'll lay their hands on you. They'll pray for you for your, for your wellness and your well-being. And the prayer, of a, um, uh, the prayer of a faithful person is powerful and effective, right? We're, we're on good, biblical, solid ground here for doing that. But um, let's be honest. Does it, make one, like, does it make one bit of difference if Scott hears what I pray? In the heavenly realm, it makes no bit of difference, right? I am not praying to Scott in order that he may hear my prayers for his healing and be healed. The point of my prayer is not to communicate something to Scott. The point of my prayer right, is to communicate with my Heavenly Father. Prayer, prayer is not between me and another person. Prayer is between me or us as the, as the corporate body of Christ to the Father. So, his hearing the prayer does nothing. It may serve as an encouragement to him, right? But it, it does not move heaven. Right? When God hears, heaven is moved. Okay? Now, we do this in the most... Um, I'm going to say this a little um, snippily, right? In the most spiritually passive-aggressive ways um, that Christians can handle, right? Like I'll, I'll, I'll use Scott again just because we're, we're already using Scott, but again, not a real example. Okay? I love Scott. All right? Then we maybe sit down at a small group or something like that or Oh, Heavenly Father, I really just pray that uh, my brother Scott stop being such a jerk. <laughs> and um, I know that you're hearing me, Lord. And so, just praying that he would stop being such a jerk. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Or in something, you know, less silly, but equally misguided when we pray things that we really should just like say to a person. We try to we try to baptize them in the language of prayer to make it a little softer in the communication, right? Guess what? God is not hearing your prayer. And, and um, you're on, on shaky ground with Jesus trying to elevate your own sense of like desire and righteousness by praying to someone or in a reason, for a reason, other than the Lord hearing you. Prayer is designed, right, for for you and I to connect with the heart and voice 
and will of God. Not for me to pray in such a way so that you know what I want to say about another person without me having to actually come out and say it because I baptized it in this like passive-aggressive Christianity of saying it in prayer, right? We should be praying always. We should be praying always in the, when we're in public and when we're in private. Pray always as if God is the only one that hears you. Because that's the only one that matters. That's the only thing that matters. What Jesus goes on to say here is he doesn't just deal with um, the hip, a hypocritical spirit of prayer. He also deals with what he calls how the pagans pray. Now, I don't, we, we don't really understand if Jesus was referring to a specific group of people or specific person when he was detailing pagans. However, he does give us an idea of what the, the issue was, is that they, he says that they, they babble along using lots of complicated words because they think that by their, their verbose speech, that God is going to hear them more significantly. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Right? This is like, like, the, like um, the, the you know, King James Version times a thousand version of praying, and like, well, I know that God talks in Old English, right? So if I don't speak in Old English, there may be some problems in translation, like when you talk to someone who's got a really thick Irish or Scottish accent, and you're like, I know I'm supposed to understand this. It's the same language, but I'm just not picking it up. I'm just not, just not picking it up, all right? Okay? Um, and what Jesus says is like, like, is like, look, when you... There's this idea, maybe, that in order to like, in order to be present before the king, we must we must speak in kingly English. Right? In order to be in order to be present before the king, I must be like, you know, like, got to use the right words, man. And like, you better get your thous and your thines and your thuses right. Like, on point. Um, well, what is what is the application that we can draw? What is the application that we can draw from this? Well, Jesus, it's pretty clear that Jesus is saying, like, no, um, it's it's not your babbling along in perfect King James English or even making sense that's going to move heaven at all. So, what is? Um, what, what is going on here? Um, prayer is not a formula. The complexity of our words or phrases or necessarily even the structure of our prayer does not matter. Matter. 
Because this often, this, this often prevents us, I believe, like in a mental way, from praying more. I truly believe this. I've, I have heard probably the number, one of the, one of the top reasons people say that I don't pray is that I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. You get them in a room with their friends, though, and man, you can't shut them up. Right? We don't, we don't, have, a, we don't have a word problem. It's not, it's not a word problem. It's a, we have been led to believe that when we don't say the right things, praying to God, right, that somehow we're not actually praying, or he's not hearing, or it's not the right way, or that we're, we're not holy enough to pray, or we can't pray, or we shouldn't pray, or whatever the reason. And what Jesus is saying here is like, like the complexity of your words, they do not matter at all. We're going to talk next week about how our prayer life, the conversational prayer life that we have with God is, um, is analogous to the life between a father and their child. Right. And, um, and um, when, I, when, when one of my kids comes to me, right, and, then, and they tug on my shirt and they say, Daddy, 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 can I, can I talk to you? Right? right? And you kind, of, you kind of get down on one knee so you can get eye to eye with them. And you say, better get this right. Right? You better get this right, man. Like, like, no. Like, you watch them stumble over your words. Like, our four-year-old Olive is in this stage where, like, you can tell that she knows what she wants to say, but she hasn't developed the speech for it yet. And so she... <sighs> Like, she's like, her mouth is actually moving, her tongue is sticking out, right? And she, she's got these, like, like, Italian hand motions where she's, like, she's trying to, like, get the words out, but she just can't, right? And, and this, it's like, it's like, a, uh, you, you, you're patient, right? And, and what do you actually, like, what do you do when you have that relationship you help them to say what you know they're trying to say but can't get out. Right? And the scripture says that 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 the Holy Spirit <laughs> that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and with us when we when when like our insides are groaning with prayer that we can't articulate with our mouths. That the Holy Spirit, like a, like a loving parent, draws out of their inarticulate child the words that they're trying to say. And so, and so when, when we pray, right, we're not praying, we, we need not think that we pray according to a formula or with a certain set of words, or with certain vocabulary, 
in a, in a, because we want to get it right. The only wrong way to pray is thinking that your many words actually make you heard. Or thinking that like, or, or, or praying so that others would see you pray. Okay? Finally, this morning, is it hot in here? Is it just... The sun is out. What is that weird yellow orb in the sky? <laughs> um, finally, our final point for this morning is this, and I will, I'm going to confess to you, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to confess to you that I heard the Lord saying this to me, and that I am, I am praying that he would bring, um, he would bring a revelation about this point into my personal life. Because I'm having a hard time, like, holding on to it, like grasping it and understanding it, and like, and like making it part of not just the ten percent but the ninety percent. Okay, not just the information, but like the the practice and the experience of prayer. And it's, and it's this. Verse 8, Jesus says, um, he talks about hypocrites and pagans, and then he, he says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Okay, so... Similar to the way that, you know, like when your child is trying to get those words out and they can't, right? So you help them to draw out. You know what they're trying to say, okay? The Father knows. But it's, it's, this, it's this idea or this, this, this revelation that, um, that when we pray, we don't surprise God. Okay? So we're not, it's not like we're giving Him information that he's not aware of, or we're wading into a situation that we're like, we got sorry to break the news to you, God, um, or that somehow um, he has been unaware that this thing has been going on in our lives, and that we're asking him to move in doing it. Um, And it's there's there's something there's something here. I'm I'm gonna ask you to pray about it with me, and we're gonna explore it over the next few weeks. Is this is that prayer? I believe I believe the scripture teaches us. I believe that the the God knowing our hearts and when knowing the character of God, um, that that this is true. Is that is that prayer? Prayer is the exercise of faith that activates in your life and mine what God has already decided and wanted to do. That, that the, Lord, the Lord has 
The Lord knows our hearts. The Lord knows um, the, the Lord knows our lives. Um, The Lord knows our comings and our goings. The Lord um, has uh, desires and a heart for us. And oftentimes, I, I find and I believe about my own life is that there are, that there are things that God um, maybe desires to do, wants to do, is waiting to do, but the exercise of my faith has not grown to the um, level of the blessing that he desires for me to receive. And so in receiving it, I would mishandle it. And so praying, um, for instance, praying that... um, um, let's say if I were to pray, um, I hope my wife's not watching. Um, like if I were to pray, like the miracle upon miracles for our family would be that we would conceive a child, right? That would be the that would be the the, the most significant miracle that I can imagine in our in our my personal life or my family. And so, like um, that prayer. Right? Like me praying that would be an exercise in faith that it's a thing that God wants to do. Right? That would be, that would, I would be like, and, and not out of nowhere, right? like, but, but at, at, the, at the core of who. He or what he desires to do in my life, what he desires to do in your life. It is, it is sometimes necessary for us um, to, to pray as an exercise of faith that, that indicates or shows or activates, catalyzes a a, a plan that God has wanted to do, is ready to do, but that our faith has been too small to hold up until that point. And so, and so, like, the question that I'm asking the Lord in prayer lately, and that maybe that I would encourage you to ask, is, Lord, what are the things that I have that I have failed to pray for because I believe there but that are on my heart but that I believe are too big to accomplish like what are the things that are too big too out there too like wild and crazy and so I haven't prayed for them because it's like, well, that is, that is so out there that there is, that there is no, like, it, I'm not, it's not even worth my time. I've got, I've got better stuff, more urgent stuff to pray about. Um, 
See, the thing is, is that the Lord already knows that you want that thing. You're not fooling Him by not praying for it. All you're doing is not doing the one thing that could fulfill that thing in your life. It's almost like we're a little scared, right? That we're, we're, we're a little afraid. We're, we're, we're a little afraid to attack that thing in prayer because holy crap, what if it actually happens? What if it actually happens? That's what we would call a miracle. And that's the God that we serve. And that's exactly how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. We're not going to get into the Lord's Prayer today, but he, he, he tells them, this then is how you should pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You hear, that, you hear those words? Jesus taught his followers to pray that the reality of heaven would be here on earth. You think heaven is a miracle working place? You think heaven is a place that we see things happen every day that we could never imagine in a million, billion years would happen in our life? Well, Jesus is like, hey, look, that's just the boilerplate. Jesus is like, you want a boilerplate prayer? Here, pray, pray this. Boilerplate prayer boilerplate prayer for Jesus is that the reality of heaven would be here on earth. That's like, that's like, that's like starting point. That's like getting out of the blocks in the race. Okay? Prayer, an exercise of faith that activates what God has already decided and wanted to do for you and I and us. Um, we prayed this last Tuesday night. Um, uh, we're going to be praying again this Tuesday night. Um, and we will continue to pray Tuesday nights after that until we, Jesus comes back or we change the night and pray on a different night. Um, um, I, I'm calling you to pray. To come and join us in prayer. You can do that here in this physical building with us at 6 o'clock on Tuesday nights. Or you can join in the Zoom call for prayer. Like, we'll, we have a computer set up and you can join us in prayer um, on Zoom. One of what I am going to start, begin to pray for those times together, among other things, is that, is that you and I and us would would um, develop not just the information, but the passion, the behavior, and the discipline of prayer. So that prayer becomes not just something that we do on Tuesday nights, but, but prayer becomes a rhythmic, like, like breathing, involuntary 
involuntary life force. <laughs> the involuntary life of the church. The involuntary life of, of, of your walk with Jesus. It's just like breathing. That's what my prayer. That's what, that's, that's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that prayer becomes like breathing for us. Okay? Um, I'm going to uh, welcome the worship team back up this morning. As I uh, lead us all in just a moment of prayer. And sometimes prayer is silent. I had someone ask me, or I had someone say last week on, um, after I talked to them that when I, when I paused to pray at the end of the service last week and I was like silent for like 15 seconds, they, they thought the stream was buffering. <laughs> and so they were, they were asking that I would do something so that they know we're not buffering. <laughs> I'm going to tell you now, if you're watching on the live stream, we're not buffering, right? We're going to pray, and there's going to be a, like a, a, a brief moment of, of silence, right? Because um, uh, we need to hear as well. We need to hear as well. So, um, let's take a deep breath and go uh, into a time of prayer. Lord, we are silent because You're speaking. And we need to practice not moving, Lord. Not, not speaking, not thinking, Lord. Doing nothing other than listening, hearing, Lord, and maybe we are hearing nothing and maybe we're hearing a lot of things and having a difficult time discerning what Your voice is and what You are saying to us. And so Lord, I pray that we would not be... um, we would not be afraid of the silent moments, Lord, but that we would hear Your still, small voice, Your whisper to us. Lord, even as we sit and breathe, 
breathe with the lungs that you have given to us and we don't think about it. It just happens. Lord, but it keeps us alive. Father, I pray that you that you would make praying like breathing for us. That it would it would keep us alive, Lord. But even more importantly that we would it would become so central to who we are that we would no longer think about doing it, but that it would be a, just an involuntary response to living. And that, Father, You would, you would take prayer and that You would plant it so deeply within the fabric of our lives. Lord, that we would do, we would not know anything, we would not know how to do anything other than, than reach to You in prayer. Lord, would You develop um, a, a passion in us, a discipline in us, a behavior in us, Lord, of prayer, of of purity, of reverence, Lord. Would you make this place a environment of expectation where where we expect and anticipate that Miracles would happen. That lives would be changed. That chains would fall off. That fear would bow down. Lord, that you would make um, this city um, a place of surrender to you, a place of revival. Lord, that the, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would go out from this place and from many places within the city. Lord, to convict, to convict people of sin, to call people into repentance, and to release them into hope-filled, spirit-filled life. Lord, but may that all begin with us. With this body, with our homes, and with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.